Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Peter Uka was responsible for the first law on banning smoking in public places being introduced in South Africa. That was in 1986. He has been working tirelessly since then to fight, as he says, a wealthy industry whose products kill users prematurely. He's in the studio to tell me more. Peter, welcome and thank you for coming in. More and more and more. Thank you very much. <laughs> Love being here and it's a nice topic that we have to discuss. So, Peter, smoking is bad for us. We know that. Yes. Definitely. There's no doubt about it. Unquestionably, unequivocal, the scientific evidence is clear. It's bad, 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 bad. So why do we smoke? Well, historically, uh, advertising, creating images, uh, having as one of the tobacco company called it, a virile image of a man, and that's where the cowboys came for various brands ultimately. And we get misled into smoking cinemas, stars were smoking in movies, partly because they were paid to smoke by the tobacco industry and partly because scriptwriters were paid to write smoking scenes in their scripts. Hmm. So we got influenced by a lot of that, and then a lot of misleading advertising like nine out of ten doctors smoke X brand. And in fact, at that time, that was the truth. But it was misleading truth, it was manufactured truth, it was manipulated truth. What happened is a brand, and I don't mention brands, went to doctors and gave them all in that city a carton of cigarettes free of charge. They just gave every doctor a carton of cigarettes. And uh, five or six days later, they went back to those doctors and said, what brand are you smoking? <laughs> and right. it was that brand. That's what they mean. Hey, they got it for free, so that's what they smoked. They didn't buy cigarettes for a week or two. And that's that was the truth of their survey at that time. But it was manipulated. Right. So everything that the tobacco industry does is essentially misleading. And that's one of the reasons we smoke. So we go to stars, we do what our heroes do. Uh, guys, for example, like Rambo, this very healthy guy, very active, physical, strong guy, he smoked in a movie. Right. We that was because, can I tell you, simple. Sylvester Stallone was paid $20 million to smoke. Wow. We're going to just take a break there and then come back onto the topic of what next? What do we do next? And why did you smoke? Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I'm talking to Peter Uko, who is an anti-smoking activist. And you do so, Peter, because you believe you can save lives. One life at a time. If I can, that's one of my purposes in life, is to save a life. It doesn't matter whose or what, If and smoking is one of them. If I can help someone quit smoking or persuade someone never to start smoking, I could well have saved their lives, and that's one of their purposes. So let's go back to the history of the smoking tradition and look at Jewish involvement in the industry. Yeah. Have a guess when it started. Right at the beginning. <laughs> well, <laughs> With the growing of the... T- of the <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you when it started. Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus. When he went out to search for the new world, or a westerly route to the Middle East and Asia, he had an interpreter whose name was Luis de Torres, Louis de Torres. Now, as it would happen, he was fluent in Hebrew, Arabic, Aramaic, Spanish, Portuguese, not English, but he was fluent in that. It was the time of the Spanish Inquisition, as you will recall. So Jews had to convert 
or face death. Well, or leave the country. And they were given the the king at the time, Ferdinand, signed an edict that Jews had to leave by the 31st of July that year. About 200,000 left, actually, by the 2nd of August. But many of them converted. Now, Luis de Torres was one of the conversos. He converted because he was Christopher Columbus's interpreter. And he saw a better life for himself. So he was just setting it up for himself and protecting himself from the Inquisition and from conversion or death. So he got baptized. He was a converso. And he was Jewish. You can't, you can convert, but you're still Jewish. <laughs> and he sailed with Columbus and they came across tobacco. Columbus wanted to take him because he was fluent in Hebrew and they thought they would get around to the east. And essentially, there's a lot of detail to it. He brought tobacco and smoking to Europe. First to Spain. Spain got addicted. Well, there was a long story to all of that. First it was banned. Would you believe, a, a lot of people say smoking in South Africa, you can be fined 500 rand. Well, you can be if you smoke, so don't smoke where you're not allowed to. For me, it's a very simple equation. There was a man who smoked because the clergy forbade smoking, because they said it was the devil's breath. You know, only the devil can encourage you to throw smoke out of your mouth. So it was forbidden, and someone got sentenced to 11 years in prison for smoking. Oh. So our 500 rand is, you know, it's small talk. Everything's relative. Mm. Uh, so, so, yeah, so it was a Jew of, who brought it. So, okay, so we get smoking. It becomes cool. People, I think, initially don't realize the health hazards of it. Well, certainly, up until about 1964, it, even slightly before that, uh, there was... Talk in the 50s, there was a report by uh, Richard, come to me in a moment, who said that smoking is linked to lung cancer or lung cancer is linked to smoking. That was in 1950. There's no question that that was the truth. It was ignored for a long time. And then the United States Surgeon General in 1964 published his report, the first one that dealt with smoking, and it was clear. Smoking causes lung cancer. That's when the health scares started to take place and the industry started to adjust by introducing filters and light cigarettes and all sorts of things. Again, all misleading stuff, but that's essentially what happened. Um, before we go on to specifically Jews and smoking, what do you do to prevent people from smoking? Well, it's not one thing. It's a whole package of things. For example, banning smoking in public places. That makes smoking, you said, it was cool to smoke. And the progression has been, it was cool to smoke. Then it was not cool to smoke. And now it's cool not to smoke. That's been the progression. And it's a matter of banning smoking in public places. So you denormalize it. Smoking should be, never be popularized, advertised, normalized, or glamorized. That's our bell that we ring, pang. Right. Say that again. It should never be. Popularized, advertised, normalized, or glamorized. Wow. So banning smoking in public places was a step in denormalizing it, putting health warnings on packets, and we have to go that route of making them large and graphic so they tell the truth about smoking. That continues to increase education, make you aware of the health risks and the real dangers of smoking and the cost of smoking, and all of that 
plus the ban on advertising. Is there a ban on advertising? Oh, yes, yes. That's been for many, many years. Even in 1995, when we introduced health warnings, the regulation said that all advertising has to have a health warning right. or a message. And then later on, it was totally banned. Banned. No television, no radio, no newspapers, nothing. And all of that is a package in to a bit of education and advocacy, the sorts of things that tobacco control advocates like I am uh, do. It has led to a huge reduction in smoking prevalence in South Africa. In the early 90s, it was about 37%. Have a guess at what it is today. Ten. Simply 14%. 14%. So less than one in five people smoke. Um, you also talk about taking on a big industry. Do you often feel like that you are facing David facing Goliath? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Every day, and it's fun because ultimately we know that we have to win. And it doesn't matter if it happens this week or the next decade or even in my lifetime. It's a process. We have to continue the work, the advocacy, and the fighting. And eventually we must win because this is a really deadly product that kills, just in South Africa, about 44,000 people a year. Worldwide, 7 million people a year. We've got to stop that. Uh, I'm sure people ask you th- things around why smoking. I mean, drinking and driving not only puts you in danger, it puts un- innocent people around you as well. There are so many different health hazards that we face on a daily basis. Why smoking? Well, why not smoking? <laughs> smoking is one of the biggest hazards that there is, and it causes the most deaths. Alcohol is a problem, and our organization, Tobacco, Alcohol and Gambling Advisory Advocacy and Action Group, deals with the three major legal addictions. Tobacco and alcohol are two of them. Alcohol causes certainly more harm in society. It causes a few deaths, fewer deaths than tobacco, but it causes enormous harm in society and family disruptions and so on. You have to deal with them both. You can't say, why smoking? You've got to say, why not smoking? And why not alcohol? And you've got to deal with all those things. You can't prioritize one and ignore all the others. So in, in a wrap-up question, what is the um, practice for Jews and smoking? <laughs> Lots of confusion about that over the years. Well, the rabbis for centuries have argued about may you smoke on Shabbos, may you smoke on Yom Kippur, Do you, can you smoke on the 9th of Av, um, the advocates for have basically won the argument. So apart from Shabbos and uh, Yom Kippur, smoking is generally not totally banned on all the other holidays. Many Jews do not smoke. Those who smoke do not smoke on those days. So there's a kind of an in-between. I think that for health reasons, if I was the chief rabbi, of South Africa or the world or whatever, I would ban smoking for Jews totally. It's bad for your health. We went through a period in Turkey where they had uh, Nagili, the water pipes, the hubbly bubblies. What Jews would do, because they were not allowed to smoke on Shabbos, they would blow a bottle like that full of smoke so they could inhale it during Shabbos because they were addicted. A day without smoking was like impossible. But essentially today it is... No smoking on Shabbos, no smoking on Yom Kippur. And if you can at all help it, no smoking at all. Yes, it's the best decision you can make if you decide never to start smoking. And if you are a smoker, Try. deal with it. Make the decision to quit. It all starts with a decision and take the steps. And if you want to, I'll help you with pleasure. So do you want to um, um, just quickly give a contact detail if anybody would like to get hold of you? Well, you can get hold of me on my mobile, which is 082 
0614-454-9889. Simple as that. I'll help you if I can. There's no charge for the service. It was just me trying to save a life. Well, Peter, on that beautiful note, thank you so much for coming in and thank you for sharing your uh, activism against smoking. I look forward to our next chat, actually. I do too, because there's so much more about which we can talk. (laughs)